Welcome everybody back to the No Love Lost podcast. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you again to everyone who has joined, listened in the last three days. I believe we were over 80. Um, we were over 80 listens on YouTube, on um, on all, you know, on all platforms. I really didn't expect to get this much um I oh, excuse me. I didn't expect to get this much engagement right away. I thought, you know, it was going to have to build up to what it is, but I think that the meaning behind it and the things that I'm trying to create, this platform I'm trying to build, um I think it's uh I think it's it's it it's very necessary at this point in, 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 in a lot of people's life. Sorry, excuse me. I'm, people are texting me, trying to ask for the link. Make sure everyone has it. I want as many people in here as possible. Um, But yeah, like I was having a conversation with one of my friends this, this week. And, um, I feel like us millennials are kind of like at a point in our life, some are about to be 30, just turned 30 or, you know, past 25 at least that I feel like we're at a place where it's time to open up, where it's finally okay to open up. And I think that's great. I think that's amazing. Um, I know it's time for me to open up. I know it's time for me to let everything out. Um, being a macho man, you know, that's not, that's. It's good, but you know, um, to be a macho man, to be, you know, a big old gorilla all the time, angry or, you know, just whatever, you know, I mean, we're all not like that. We're not like that with our kids. We're not like that with our wives. So I feel like it's time for everybody to open up and I just wanted to create a platform that made it okay. That made it, you know, acceptable for that. So, um, I know a lot of people have wanted to share their stories. A lot of people reached out about their stories. And um, I'm going to get with you guys this week. I have two people this week that um, are ready to share their story. I believe I record tomorrow and Wednesday. Those will be coming out this week. I'm going to put out as many episodes as people want to record. Um, not going to really have like a set, a set date or set schedule. It's kind of just be you know, whenever we're ready, whenever that person's ready to open up. So, um, I hope more people are ready to open up. If not, that's what I'm here for to try and help you guys out. So really in this episode, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, the rest of my journey. Um, I gave you guys just a little small sample size with the lady at Walmart. Um, that's, it was crazy, but this episode's getting a whole lot deeper. This episode's going to show you her, um, show you other people's wrongs, show my wrongs. Um, yeah, so um, like I said, I'm nervous, but I'm excited at the same time. And then uh, we're going to talk about a generational pattern of, of, of family abusing each other. Um, I feel like that's huge. Um, I know I've witnessed it for 26, 27 years of family using each other, family talking down on each other, families just being negative in your life. And, you know, we don't, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve someone talking down on you. You battle, most people battle themselves enough other than just someone else, you know, 
um, down talking them, downplaying themselves. And then the next, um, we're going to get into our first core wound, which is the fear of not being acknowledged. Um, it might sound something that's very, you can look over, but actually I, I feel like a lot of people could pertain to this because I know I can, or I know I did. And yeah, so let's get into it. <clears throat> the last episode, um, I left off with, you know, the woman at Walmart who reached out to me and told me about some of the negative energies I had in my life. Um, we prayed and she warned me that, uh, a lot of people were going to be, be cut out from my life. A lot of people were, weren't good for me. And I didn't really like, I started noticing people's energy shift. I started noticing, you know, just different things. Um, I, I guess I was, I, I was aware now, you know, I, I was aware of how people felt. I was aware of what was going on. Um, just that, you know, there was negative people around me. So, um, it was probably like, probably about a couple weeks before my wedding, whenever I, I, I noticed a big change. Um, I noticed a big change in my life. I noticed, um, a big change between mine and my mom's relationship. And like I told Desiree, like I knew, I knew, I knew a fight was coming. I knew something was coming. Um, you know, me and my mom have never had the best relationship because of her addiction. Um, I never, I never forgave her until this last time we started talking, you know, and, um, she told me, you know, where she was, she was sorry, you know, for everything. And I told her, you know, there's no reason to be sorry. Like there's really not, you know, what happened happened for a reason. And that's what built, that's what made me a man. You know, that's what made my life. That was a part of my story. And, you know, there's no reason to feel sorry. There's no reason to feel shame for it. And, you know, cause I would, now that I go back on my life, I would not change anything in my life because I am who I am today because of it. And, um, yeah. So, um, you know, deep down inside, like I just knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And, you know, whenever we were in like the final stages of our planning, um, my mom promised me probably about six months before our wedding that she was going to have 500 bucks for me, um, for the venue. And that was, you know, her gift for, for the wedding. And, um, you know, I counted in on that and the budget, everything like that. And, you know, two, Two days before the wedding, you know, I, I got paid. I had everything aside, you know, I was, I needed to go pay this. And I asked her for the money and she told me, no, I, I don't have it. My car just got repoed. Um, you know, she was slow at work or, you know, and, and just all these other things. And, you know, and I understood, I wasn't mad about her like that because her car did get repossessed, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know if she was really slow or not, but, you know, I was understandful, you know, I mean, I was stressed out as hell, but, you know, I understood. And, um, so now, you know, I'm, I'm looking back at the budget. I'm trying to figure out, you know, how could I, how could I make up this 500 bucks? I talked to, um, the guy Lonnie at our venue. He was cool with me bringing 500 bucks after the venue. I was kind of hoping that I would even make 500 bucks for a wedding. I I wasn't sure, but I knew if there was a will, there was a way and I would pay it back. So, you know, we did the rehearsal. We did, you know, we went and set up at, at the wedding. 
Um, everything was good. Well, it was it was okay. Um, you know, my mom was kind of in her feelings about certain things, and I just I wasn't paying attention to it because it was my day. It was Desiree's day, and I didn't want nothing to get involved in that. You know, I was I was there to have a good time. I was there to, you know, to to celebrate. And so we, um, after that, we, we made reservations for probably about 55, 60 of us to go back to Olive Garden. And my mom told me she couldn't make it because they were broke. They didn't have no money. Um, you know, all this and that above. And I understood, you know, she couldn't give me no money. She couldn't, she couldn't help me out. So I understood. And probably like in the middle of our dinner, you know, we're celebrating with friends and family. You know, it was a great time. I sit down and I I hopped on my phone, look on Snapchat, my mom's party at uh, Marisco's with my sisters and some family from out of town. Um, And, you know, like they were celebrating my sister's birthday, you know, which was two days after my wedding. And, you know, like I was hurt, like, you know, like. You know, is my is my day not big enough for you to come celebrate, you know, like and so the next day for the wedding, I kind of just left it alone, even though I was I was hurt. But, you know, I I just didn't want to fight. I didn't want to fight with my mom, you know, especially in and in, in ruin Desiree's and mine big day. Like, I, you know, I just I just left it alone. And, you know, everything went great. You know, the ceremony was beautiful. You had a good turnout. Um you know, until the pictures came, you know, and I, I told everybody, hey, I want to, I want only the wedding party to go take pictures. And, you know, there's a bunch of beautiful places at the venue for everyone to take pictures. And, you know, my sister started throwing a little fit because she, well, she wasn't in my wedding because she didn't want to be in my wedding no more because she thought she was pregnant a long time ago. She didn't want to rejoin, which, hey, cool, fine. Uh, she was like, well, I'm left out of pictures. And I told you, you know what, that was your choice to stay out. This is my day. You'll have your day. You know, you can run your day however you want to run your day. It's how I want to run my day. And she kind of just showed up. So, you know, we went and took pictures and, uh, you know, went back to the ceremony, introduced, ate. Um, you know, we did all of our typical dances, first dance, mother-daughter dance, or mother-son dance, daughter-father dance. Um, and my mom wanted to do a special, a special dance of a daughter-daughter-in-law or mother-in-law dance. And I thought, okay, whatever, cool. You know, I mean, you and Desiree haven't always had the best relationship because you don't like her for whatever, you never liked her for whatever whatever reason. But, you know, cool. You know, you guys want to, you know, whatever. You want to amend, you can. So, um, my wedding was great. Finished it. The night was good. About a week later, we were at my mom's house. And, you know, she started talking about uh, my sister's wedding that was coming up in about a month. And she had the nerve to tell me, oh, I just gave Alexis $500 um, for her catering for her wedding. And I was like, wait, like, hold on. You told me you were broke. You didn't offer to give me no money even after to help out. You know, like, I was pissed. I was furious. My mom did that with, like, she had, like, you know, she had some some pretty big, you know, some uh, a pretty big nerve to say that, but I said, you know what? Leave it alone, Josh. It's fine. Be the bigger person. Your sister's wedding coming up. Don't ruin her day. So I said, okay. Um, 
I remembered what the lady at Walmart told me about, you know, people, people coming into my life and people leaving my life. So I said, okay, I stopped, let it go. And, um, sorry guys, it's just getting a little, so my van broke down probably about a week later. I asked my mom to pick up the kids. She picked them up. Um, it actually happened to be on the day of my kids open house. And she calls Desiree, you know, she asked, Hey, can, can we take the kids to open house? Well, she called Desiree and Desiree told him, no, you know, because we're, we're very, we're very involved in our kids school. We talk to the teachers almost every other day or every day. Um, you know, we have a very good relationship with all three of our kids that are in school. And Desiree said, no, you know, we're in, that knows the middle transition of, of, of a new teacher is not even there. Nevaeh, we talk to her every day, you know. So, you know, Desiree just didn't feel like it was her place or her time for my mom, you know, to my mom or my sister to take them to school. Like that's, that's something a parent should do if, if, you know, they're not able to be involved. Plus by the time they got home, they showered, you know, it was going to be late. You know, I, I don't know if you know, but three, three kids to, to get ready for school is, it's hard, especially Liliana. Like she's not a morning person at all, at all, at all, at all. Hi, Miss Hatler. And, um, you know, so Desiree told them no and lo and behold, shit hit the fan. Um, my mom started calling Desiree a, a bitch and a whore and everything else in the book. And, you know, Desiree called me. She asked me to go get the kids because, you know, she just wasn't she wasn't going to deal with uh, with with the whole situation. You know, she was she was pissed off. She was angry, but she knew how much I wanted my mom and she just didn't want to cause that fight. So, you know, and, and this wasn't the first time Desiree's disrespected my mom or my mom's disrespected Desiree. This is probably like the third, fourth time, but it was just different. Like it was just different this time. And I don't know why, you know, like I've always stuck up for Desiree at the end of the day. You know, I've stopped talking to my mom probably about maybe two, three times. But, like, I don't know, like, this time it just wasn't okay. Like, if it's, like, if it's not okay for me to talk to my wife as a husband, which it's never, which it, it never is, um, it never is to talk to your wife or talk to any anyone like that, you know, Um I was just furious. Like I was pissed. Like, how are you going to have a, a daughter, mother-in-law dance at my wedding? You want all this attention. You want everyone to think that you're such a great mother-in-law or you're such this, you're such that. And you go and do this. Like, like I just didn't get it. Like I didn't get where it came from at all. And, um, <clears throat> so, you know, I'm driving to my mom's and, and I'm, I'm furious. I'm trying to calm myself down. It's like, Josh, you know, you and your mom have came this far. Just leave it, you know, talk about it later. We'll figure things out. So I was like, okay, cool. So I get there. I was cool. After um, I walk inside my mom's, I pick up my kids, say hi to everybody. My mom was, I don't know where she was. While I'm getting the kids in the car, or trying to get the kids in the car, my mom comes out and she was like, the only thing I ask of you is just don't keep the kids away from me. And I turned around and I was like, hold on, like, how do you expect me to still allow my kids to come to your home? Like, you're calling their mom a bitch, you're calling their mom a whore in front of them. 
you know, mind you, in front of them. What example does that teach my kids? What example does that set for my kids that it's okay to 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 talk to their mom about, you know, like that? Like, you know, no, like, no, you know, I, mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know where this is going to go, but right now, no. Like, my kids are not going to go anywhere near near your home. And so my mom gets in my face because, of course, she doesn't get her way. And, you know, we start arguing. And I kind of tell her, like, hey, you know, like, back up. Like, I don't have respect for you like that. Like, you know, you weren't there raising me. You weren't there growing up. Like, you know, like, you just don't have that. Like, you don't have that respect for me. Like, you know, back up. And then my my sister gets in my face. And, you know, she's, she's like two to three months pregnant at the time. She just announced she was pregnant. And I kind of told her, like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, you're pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, you're two to three months pregnant. Like, what are you doing? This then and and this doesn't have anything to involve you. Like this doesn't have anything to do with you. And so, kind of step to the side and uh, I'm talking. You know, me and mom are kind of you know in a confrontation. And all of a sudden, I I feel someone hit me inside of the cheek, and like I look, and it was my sister. And I was like, oh man, like what are you doing? Like you're pregnant. Like you're pregnant. You're pregnant with my you know niece, nephew, whatever. So me and mom are still in a confrontation. We're heated and she hits me again. And like at this time, like I kind of lost it. Um, um, you know, I, I hit her twice and, you know, like I come back to my senses and I'm just like, like, Oh, like, like, like what just happened? You know, like, and she's like, you just hit me. I'm pregnant. What do you think you're doing? You know, blah, 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 blah. You know, I mean, just ghetto as hell. You know, my boyfriend's going to beat you up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, like, I mean, you weren't acting pregnant whenever you were hitting me, you know, in the first place. Like, I'm not saying I'm right because I was, I was dead wrong. Like, you know, I never should have even put my hand on my sister. And that, that's something I've always, one, I've never done. Um, just put my hands on a woman, you know, but like, I just snapped, like, I snapped and, um, you know, and then like, you know, I just hear my mom, like, you're a fucking pussy. Like I'm gonna go get my brass knuckles. And like, she leaves in the house and she comes out. Like, I know my mom's like not all there. Like, I know for a fact, my mom's not all there. So I know for a fact she went and got him. And I was just like, hold on. Like, whoa, like I need to go over there before, you know, I get blindsided again with this down with, with, with brass knuckles, you know, and like her husband gets in the way and, you know, he's trying to hold me back, he's trying to push me back and I throw him the ground. He gets in my face and like I told him like, what? Like, you know, he, he was, he was the main factor of my mom's drug addiction growing up for so long. So I had, I've, I've always had hatred towards him, but I've always respected him for my mom, you know, to make my mom and his relationship a better relationship because that's the type of respect I have. Um, I never once called him out. I never once tried to fight him whenever, you know, I could have and I should have. But, you know, I did it. Um, and, you know, like I finally I, I finally got the kids backpack somehow, some way. And then they like my biggest lesson just right then and there. Like now I look back on it. I should have left those damn backpacks like whatever was worth in those backpacks, whatever the, that backpack was worth, like. It wasn't worth hitting my sister. It wasn't worth the words that were said. It wasn't worth, you know, anything, you know, like 
that stuff's replaceable. Anything replaceable can be replaced again, you know. And, um, you know, so I finally get my kids in the car. I left. I get to my house. I wash out my mouth. My mouth bleeding. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, like, I call my mom, you know, because I didn't know what, like, I didn't know what happened. I didn't know nothing. Like, it was just, like, it happened so quick. And I was like, whoa. And right away, you know, she just she just started, like, she started yelling, screaming. So I hung up. Like, you know, obviously you're not in a place to talk. Like, you know. And then, like, I call a few people, you know, just to, like, figure out, like, like, I guess to help me wrap around, you know, my senses, to help me around what I was thinking. Like, I was numb. Like, I I was sad. I was mad. I was angry. Like, I just everything and all the above, you know, like, like, I was just sitting there like, like, damn, like, I just hit my sister. Like, I was a protector growing up, you know, like none of them had dads like I was the dad I was the protector I made sure nothing happened to them you know and it <clears throat> you know like it hurt like it hurt like it hurt um you know and I talked to some family I talked to some friends you know and um you know I always like my son growing up you know I've I've always I've always told him like one, like you never hit a woman, your wife, your girlfriend, especially, you know, your sisters. I have three little girls myself, you know, and, um, <clears throat> you know, like I failed, like I failed in front of my kids, you know, like what I preach to my kids every day, I failed, like, you know, like it was just, it was a tough pill to swallow. It, it was tough, you know, and um, I, I knew like I had to apologize, you know, I had to. I had to apologize to my kids because I shouldn't have put them in that predicament. You know, that, that, that was, that was my bet. That was my biggest thing. And, you know, we had a conversation and I broke down, like I broke down in front of them. Um, you know, I cried and my kids have never seen me cry. You know, my wife has barely probably seen me cry a couple times, but like, I just felt so low in life. Like, you know, me and mom tried to build this relationship for so long and it just, it got torn down, like, you know, and it hurt, like, it hurt, it hurt, um, and, uh, you know, like, <sighs> like, you know, we laid in bed, and, you know, Desiree even told me, she's like, I'm sorry, like, I should have just let them go, like, I should have just, I should have just, just, just kept my mouth shut, and I'm sorry, no, you know, you, you, you did what you you did what you want like you know you did what you thought was best for your kids which staying out till nine o'clock at night was you felt like wasn't best for your kids and um you know and I told her but and, and she was like well what about yours and your mom's relationship I told her you know what? I have you guys and I have my kids and that's okay you know that's this is my family I created my family I created is number one um the family I created will always come before before anybody, especially my kids, my wife, you know, make sure that they're, they're, they're okay before I'm okay. And, um, <clears throat> you know, um, I told her, um, like, I'm sorry. I just, uh, <laughs> um, so I got a, I got a, a meeting with my counselor the next day or a couple of days after, and, you know, we talked about it and I just, 
I still wasn't feeling better. I still wasn't feeling better about the situation. It still hurt. It was still, you know, it was still hard. And um, like, you know, I I called my boss and, you know, they gave me a couple of days off. And then, you know, I called them after my, I called them after my appointment. And, you know, I told me, hey, like, I'm, I'm not in a better place. Like, you know, I, I need, I need more time. Like, I need more time. So, you know, he told me to call Sedgwick, which was um, a time I was, I was working for Comcast. And um, they handle all of, all, all, all of Comcast counseling services. So, you know, I call them whenever, you know, I start talking to them. Um, you know, they told me, well, your counselor needs to fill out some information. So I said, okay. Only problem was is my counselor was halfway to Mexico at the time on a, on a, on a two week vacation. I asked him, well, when does this need to be in? She said by the end of the week. So she was like, well, we can open you up with someone else if that's what you want. And I was like, man, like I didn't want to change. I didn't want no change at all. Um, I hated changing. I hated reintroducing myself. I hated talking about my story again. Um, I was still hurt. I was still, you know, I, I was still in a dark place. Like, and so I say, screw it. Like, what other choice do I have? Like, what other choice do I have? And, you know, so they sent me information, schedule the time. And like, I remember looking at the email and I saw her name. Her name was Sanjet Ram. And I was like, and they told me it was going to be a video conference. And I said, God, this lady's far away. Like she probably doesn't, she's probably not even understand me. Like, I'm not going to understand her. Like, this is terrible. But I went, I downloaded everything they need me to download. And I went to that appointment and it was the best damn thing I ever did in my life. Um, I was open up to, you know, like the world forced me to open up, to be okay, to change the world forced me to, to be okay, you know, to to understand like sometimes change like you need to change sometimes changes are 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 for the best you know like i told her everything about myself i told her about some things that probably a lot of people don't know um and no like i've never cut myself or tried to kill myself or nothing like that but you know we'll get into those stories um <clears throat> like i knew i i knew it was time for me to open up like i knew it I knew it was time for me to open up. It was time for a change in my life. It was time to get this poison out that I had in myself. And like, if not now, like when, when, when would it have ever been okay to break this cycle, to change, to just do anything? Um, and, you know, she told me, you know, to, she told me to sage my house. She told me to thing which i think some of you guys could possibly try which is called palo santo um and in that you know it's it's an air clarifying it's something that you know you do kind of you know it's to create a vibe it's to create it's it's to clear the room and uh you know i did um um it was i started feeling better Got out my story. I got out some things. Um, she introduced some books to me, which is uh, the artist way. Um, this book right here it helped me out so much. Helped me get my feelings out. Taught me how to get my feelings out. 
Um, it helped me be creative. It helped me learn this brand. Um, growing up, we kind of think like we're not a creative person. We're all creative. We're all creative in our own way. <clears throat> it's just we were told growing up that we weren't creative. It's told that we weren't, that we didn't have a creative bone in our body, but we all do. It's just uh, it's up to us to, to uh, you know, to find that. That book right there, the exercises, the writings, the things. That book is really great. Um, the next book right here, um, it's called um, The Homecoming by John by John Barish. It's talk about the uh, reclaiming and healing your inner child. Um, that book came up because I was telling her, you know, I feel like that nine-year-old little boy again, hurt, sad, disappointed. But at the same time, I just wanted my mom. Like, that's all I wanted was my mom. And, you know, she told me, that's not what you want. That's what that nine-year-old little boy, that voice, that nine-year-old little boy inside your heart, that's what he wants. That's what he's still hoping for, that she can be that person that you wanted her to be. And it sounds weird, but it made sense. Like, there was still that nine-year-old little boy inside of me that was hurt. Um, there was still that nine-year-old little boy in me that wanted my mom, even though I knew my mom wasn't good for me. She's never been good for me. It's never been good for anybody but herself. At that moment, I started reading that book. I started doing some different things. Uh, actually, I, re I read this other book. Um, it's called The uh, Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. It's talking about surrendering yourself, surrendering that old person, becoming a new person. Um, <clears throat> it was deep. It was deep. I went probably about two weeks. You know, I still did, you know, my little things. Um, but, you know, I stayed I stayed off from drowning myself in the PlayStation, you know. Um, I started trying to be a father again. I started trying to hang out with my wife a little bit more, hang out with my kids a little bit more. And um, it's been great. Like, it's been, like, my mind's been clear. Um, it sucks that, you know, along the way, like I lost my mom, but at the same time, it was, I'll sacrifice my mom. I'll sacrifice my relationship for the happiness of mine and my wife's, you know, relationship. I'll sacrifice to break that generational pattern, that generational curse of hurt, of betrayal, of hurting my kids, yelling at my kids, screaming at my kids. I'll sacrifice that relationship for the better relationship of my parent or of my kids. Um, you know, in there, you know, I started learning about how to reparent, you know, how to stop telling your kids, shut up, stop crying, you know, let them cry, let them cry. You'll be surprised if your kids, I used to tell my kids, go to your room and go cry. You know, they'll cry for 45 minutes straight and they're still not done crying. You're like, damn, what, what do you, what do you what do you still have to cry about? Like Jesus. Um, but if you hold your kids for 45 seconds and tell them, let me know when you're ready to talk, they'll stop, they'll stop crying in 30 seconds and they'll tell you what's wrong. Um, it's just been it's been it's been a complete wonder. But you know, just talking to people, um, I know how much of you know their families are bad. You but you know, like I got it, you know, oh, we're family. We have to stay together. We're all we got. We're family. You know, it's okay. Like, you know, forgive each other and move on. No, no, no. 
No. No. It's not okay to move on. It's not okay to hold on to those relationships. It's going to hurt. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to hurt. It hurt me. But I'm in a better place because I let go. Because I let go of toxic people. You know, those who are my family, nine times out, you know, nine times out of 10, uh, or, you know, six out of 10, a lot of people, I, a lot of people I consider my family, they're not, they're not blood. One thing I heard probably about five years ago, and I always wanted it tattooed on me because I thought it was so real was blood makes you related, but loyalty makes you family. There's people who have been there for me that. I didn't expect to be there for me whenever I needed somebody. Um, a lot of the times, you know, those that you love the most are going to let you down the most. Um, you know, that's 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 why I created this brand. This brand is bigger within itself. And, uh, you know, like, I know there's a lot of people who stay in contact with family. They stay in contact with friends or exes, you know, who manipulate them, who, who, yeah, manipulate them into staying around because they make them feel bad. Oh, you don't know how long so-and-so is going to be around, you know, don't you want to, don't you want to love her while she's here? Don't you want to see her while she's here? If it costs me my happiness, no, 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 it don't matter. It don't matter to me. My happiness, I will trade my happiness for anything, uh, you, you know, anything negative. My happiness is something that can be destroyed. Um, <clears throat> it was a tough, it was a tough road. You know, there was, there was a lot of ups and downs, um, a lot of downs, you know, like I had to find myself again, you know, like a lot of people were messaging me and they're just like, how how did you become like, you know, happy? How did you become, you know, whole again to, 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 to be able to talk about this? You know, it, it took a lot of self-love, you know, like once you, once you start learning about self-healing and once you learn about self-love, like it gets addicting, it gets, it gets totally addicting. Like you'll start, like you see the light at the end of the tunnel, you'll see what amazing things it does for you. And honestly, like it's, it's amazing. Like once you start loving yourself, once you start loving the person who you're, who, who you are, like, there's nothing that can stop you. There's really not, you know, like I know me, like I'm my depression, you know, I, I put on 60, 60, 70 pounds since high school. And, uh, you know, my big goal, which sounds like everyone else's is to get back in the gym, you know, and, um, eat better and to do better. But, you know, like I have to do it. Like it has to be a lifestyle change. This whole thing has been a different lifestyle change for me. Um, it's been for the better. I've been happy. And, you know, um, I just, <clears throat> I just want so many other people to, to, to witness what, what I've witnessed. I want so many people to feel the way that I felt because it changed my life. Like I just, I just want people to be happy. Um, I know how it's like, you know. So um, I, I appreciate everybody for, to, you know, just listening to this story. This was this was the huge part of my journey um, of letting go. This was a huge part of my journey of 
stop holding on. Stop, stop, stop forcing something that doesn't need to be there. You know, stop forcing, you know, narcissistic people. Stop, you know, stop allowing people to tell you your worth. Stop trying to get validation from people. And, you know, there's, there's more once, you know, like, um, <clears throat> I feel like I got to talk about this. You know, my biggest thing was I didn't have no self-validation at all. Like I didn't have no self-validation. I always looked for everyone else's validation. I've been wanting to be an entrepreneur for years. For years, there's been times where I've had over $10,000 in my bank. I wanted to start up a business. Talked to my dad about it. He said, for what? Go get a good job. Go get a good retirement. Go get a good uh, benefits, benefits, you know. And I did. I listened to him. I thought, you know, my dad was right. I thought that the path, the vision my dad had for me was right, you know, but. In all reality, like what makes my dad happy or what, you know, was the right thing for my dad wasn't right for me. Um, so I stopped asking for people's opinions of on what they thought about that. Instead, I just started creating content. I started creating, started, I started doing what made me happy. I, um, in this podcast, I'm probably in this. A lot of people aren't going to agree with me. They aren't, they aren't going to agree, agree with my message, but at the end of the day, that's fine. Because I'm not doing this to be liked. I'm not doing this for the love. I'm not doing this for for the money. I'm not doing this for none of that. Like, I'm doing this because this is genuinely what I want to do. Like, this is me. This is what makes me happy. Um, and, you know, later on, I'll get into the, the core wound of self-validation, of validating yourself. Um, this first one we're, we're, we're going to talk about. Which is the 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 fear of not being acknowledged, and uh, it says right here, this is based on receiving unconditional validation as a child. It could be due to a parent who were reluctant to praising you, parents who compare yourself to your siblings or other children, or parents who were forced on shortcoming than success, long term success. This is a result from false from false um, heritage hierarchy in school environment such as grades awards etc in school i wasn't i wasn't the best kid i was very smart i was very very smart i've always been smart i've been talking since i was a year and a half putting puzzles together since i was two but you know when you start learning about saturn you start learning about these things you don't care about what does how many rings around saturn have to do with with my success with what i'm going to do whenever i'm older nothing to do with me who cares about this bullshit you know that was my thought i let go i disengaged you know i was a i was a kind of get by i was a kind of get by student the only thing that i liked was math because money was math you know you have to learn how to count money you know math um so that's what intrigued me um this leads to you overworking yourself over volunteering yourself micromanaging others helicopter parenting which that was me um, leave trying to control every, every phase of your life. That was me. I, I'm going to have a home by this time. I'm going to do this by this time. I'm going to do this this week. I'm going to be paid off on debt this week. I'm going to be paid off here. I'm going to be paid off there. That was all me. That was all me. Um, I don't know why it's going. I don't know why it's doing that. Um, professional, you know, perfectionism everything has to be perfect bossiness attention seekers making things about yourself whenever you know you're sharing when whenever others are 
are sharing their experiences. You're you're talking instead of listening. You know, you rather talk instead of listen. Um, you know, to help this to help this shadow wound, it is valuable to it is vital to self-validate yourself. You know, begin to release your dependence on outside approval. What other people think about what you're doing doesn't matter. Like I said, if if you wanna if you wanna blog about kit about cats about the Ninja Turtles, there's someone out there that will pay you for it. Find that person. Find what makes you happy. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Validate yourself before others validate for you. Um, observe what areas in your life you are exerting too much control. Telling others what to do, micromanaging. Once you've observed these aspects of yourself, tell yourself, your inner child, it's okay to let that go. If we don't talk to that inner child, nine times out of ten, that inner child doesn't believe in you, doesn't believe everything you've done because that child's been let down so many times. If you talk to that child every time you start getting that feeling, tell time, hey, I just, tell, I just tell them all the time, hey, little Josh, it's all right, man. Trust me. I'm here now. I'm whole. I'm here. I know what I did to you before. I know I neglected you for so many longs, I, uh, so many years. I know I did not listen to you. I know you're hurt. But it's but it's okay. I'm aware now. I'm aware. I'm here. Let me champion him. Let me raise this little boy. Let me help this little boy grow. You have to learn to trust yourself. You, you have to teach that little boy to trust himself. To trust you. Because if not, he's just gonna every time something happens, he's gonna pop up and you're just gonna you're just gonna act. He has to trust you. If you don't trust you, he's not gonna you're not gonna trust nobody. You're still gonna be miserable. That inner child is huge. Um, you're not a bad person, you know, for making those who are unhealed, you know, for their opinions. You're not a bad person for that, but they know like, it's okay to get others opinions, but they no longer serve you. I get others opinions all the time. Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think about that? How do you think about this flyer? What do you think about this picture? I get others opinions because I might not know where I'm going. At the end of the day, I still do what I want to do. At the end of the day, I still do what makes me happy, what I feel is right. You know, no validation from an external source can substitute your own validation from yourself. Like again, if you don't, if you don't have validation from yourself, how are you gonna get validation from other people? How how are you gonna take that experience? You know, you know. <clears throat> You know, just to simply observe other people without judgment can help you release your energy. Um, you know, there's been many people who have talked to me about, you know, relationship, about, you know, things that they've, things that they've endured. If you know me, I'm a very blunt person. I'm not going to tell you nothing like mean, malicious, but I'm going to tell you my feelings. Um, I'm going to tell you how it really is. And you could take it with a grain of salt. You can hate me for it, but as a friend, that's what that's what my job is to do. But at the end of the day, I will never judge you for anything that you tell me. You know, we all 
we all have our own our own baggage. None of us are perfect. I'm not. I've made plenty of mistakes. I made I made terrible mistakes. I made things that I'm not proud of. Done things I'm not proud of. But at the end of the day, like you know, no one no one should ever ever feel like you need to be, you know, okay from for someone else. I've lived my life for 27 years for my father, for my grandpa. You know, I got a job at the jail. Worst decision of my life was getting a job at that place, working 72 hours a week. Why? Because the 20-year retirement, because the benefits were great. Those benefits sucked. The mental health issues I got from just working there, the PTSD, the anxiety, the depression, falling even, even deeper in, into depression, getting jumped, getting blindsided, break, nearly breaking my whole femur from working up there, sitting down, you know. And it's funny because nine times out of ten, most of those people who are in there, they're not bad people. They're just, you know, they're so caught up in in their lifestyle. It's those who were, it's those who I worked with that were the worst than the ones that were in there locked up fighting their case. Those are the ones you got to watch out for. Those are the negative leeches. Like I tell everybody, anytime someone wants to work there, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't. Yes, the money's good. Yes, everything. Money's not worth it. You know, another thing I wanted to kind of talk about was, you know, I've had, I've had good paying jobs, worked at the jail, worked at ADT. I worked for Comcast. How, I mean, this year, you know, I made well over $60,000, quit my job because I wasn't happy. Some people tell me I'm, I'm crazy. Some people say, man, that's, that's a good paying job. What are you doing? You know, you're set, but I wasn't happy. What's the point of having money? Like I've had plenty of money, like, but I was so unhappy. I would just blow the money because that was me trying to, that was me trying to hide my pain. That was me trying to mask my, my pain by buying me a brand new pair of Jordans, by buying me hats, by buying me clothes, by buying me, you know, this, by buying my kids, everything that they, that they needed. Oh, my kids need this. My kids need that. My kids need these, you know, my kids need that. I was just unhappy. And now. Yes, you know, I have other ways of income, you know, that I'm working on. You know, my clothing brand, have some other things I'm working on. Even what's what's the worst that's going to happen out of this? I got to go back to going and getting a job. But at the end of the day, I tried this. I think my message behind this is if you guys aren't happy with where you're at in life, do what makes you happy. Who cares what your parents think? Who cares what? grandma grandpa things who cares who who cares it's it's not their life they've lived their life your life is your life you live your life for for you know what you want to live it in because at the end of the day i hate to say it but you ain't dying you know you ain't dying with with grandma like once grandma dies like your life your life still continues you know when you know it's that, and I, you know, I don't mean to be like, you know, wish death on, and, on nobody's family, but it's true. Like one thing, you know, my cousin Kevin said is, you know, whenever my grandpa passed away, I took it kind of hard and, you know, and he, he was like, you know, the thing about life that sucks is when someone dies, the world doesn't stop. Like your, your life might stop for a minute, but the world keeps going. Your bills are still due. 
things still got to get paid, you know? Um, and so that, that now I understand it more. Now I understand it more because at the end of the day, like you have to live your life. Um, you know, I, uh, I just wanted to tell everybody again, thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, for the support. Thank you just for everything, for the kind words, those who, who have encouraged me. Um, I've even had people who have, uh, bashed me, you know, Hey, thank you. Thank you. Cause at the end of the day, it's fine. At the end of the day, those are just words. Then the day I'm doing this because this is what I want to do because I love this and I love you guys. And I, I just want to see people win. I just want to see people win. I just want to see people happy. And you know, um, that's really, that's, that's really my message behind this is, you know, I want to see people win. I want to see people happy. Um, you know, I think, uh, I'm pretty much going to wrap it up. This has been, this has been great. Um, I know, um, I know I continue to get the support. I know a lot of people can, uh, can, can relate. I have two recordings this week. Like I said, if you want to get in, I'm free to get in whenever you guys really want to. I don't, I don't have a job. (laughs) So, uh, please, you know, let's get in. Um, you know, let's get a script together. Let's get something together. What you want to talk about? I like to write a script just so that way, you know, I'm kind of, um, organized, you know, in my discussion. I know today I was a little unorganized in, in the end, but you know, I just had some stuff flowing on the top of my mind. Um, if you're not ready to open up, that's perfectly fine, but I do recommend getting those books. Um, if you want, you can message me, um, on anything on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, message me for those books. Those books have changed my life. Those books will change your life. They're not really like a book. You can get an audio book on just because they're, they have exercises in them. They have stuff for you to write. They have checklists. Um, so it's something that I, I don't. You can't really do like an audio book. It's more of like, you know, and interactive books. Um, so whenever you guys are ready, please reach out to me. Um, even if it's just, hey, I am interested, but not right now. I want to do a little bit more self-healing. I want to do a little bit more. Um, that's pretty much it. So I appreciate everybody. Again, um, no love lost, you know, loyalty over love. Love yourself. Love those who love you. Um, even if it's those who you don't want, or even if it's those who you want to love you the most, it don't matter. But most importantly, love yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, nobody's going to love you. If you don't, if you don't believe in yourself, no one's going to believe in you. So again, thank you, everybody. The marathon continues. We're still going. Um, I appreciate everybody. You guys have a great night. Thank <laughs> you.